All right, let's do this. Three, two, one, go. Welcome to this TechBond conversation, everyone. Uh, on this episode, I have Mr. Jim Christian. Jim is the CEO and founder of Advanced Search Summit, the CEO and founder of Blush Digital, former director of global SEO at GoDaddy for over a decade. And when you look at Jim's LinkedIn profile, you'll find five patterns on search. Jim, uh, welcome to the conversation. Thanks for taking the time. Hello. Thank Hello. you. Jim, let's jump right in. What are those patterns on your LinkedIn uh, profile about? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, actually, it's really funny. So, uh, so GoDaddy, um, they instituted a program. It could be still there. Who knows? But, uh, they instituted a program where they were like, uh, Hey, you know, we'll pay you, uh, that sounds like $3,000 or something like that. If, uh, you can come up with patentable ideas, uh, for the company. And I was like, uh, that's stupid. Like whatever. And then I was talking to my former business partner, Raj about it. And, uh, he had like 13 or 14 patents a year. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just making extra cash, bro. Because <laughs> if you have any ideas, you might as well, like, you might as well just start making patents. Like, what's the difference? It's not like you're ever going to patent it. So, like, you might as well. And so, uh, uh, some of those patents are, are shared with him. Other ones were, were ones that I came up with. But um, yeah, it was basically just to uh, to make some extra cash on the side and buy some stuff that I, I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, you and I are friends, and uh, in, in the, in the uh... last. Yeah, okay, maybe I'm your friend. <laughs> maybe you're my friend. Uh, but anyways, uh, in the last couple of years, whenever we talked, there was always a crazy story about GoDaddy. And I'm not even sure if I'm able to remember them all, but uh, a lot. Th there is a lot that happened. You've been there for 10 years. What is the story with the gold mine about? Oh, yeah, that. Um <laughs> So, um, they, GoDaddy was really cool. Like they had a program that was, uh, it was called EAI. It was a employee appreciation initiative and, uh, whoever the department lead was, they had basically like, it was like 50 or a hundred dollars per person. And, uh, and it was like per quarter or something like that. And uh, the, the goal was, is like, you would want to use the money to go do something together. Like you, it's like a, like a brown bag or, you know, something to, that you would use to like build the team together. Right. And so, um, a lot of people would do like movies like, Oh, Hey team, let's like go to the movies. Um, or some of them would save up, like, um, we have a, a, a thing out here called Bondurant. It's a, uh, a race course, uh, thing that you can go do. And uh, you can drive like a Corvette around a racetrack and it was really fun, but it was really expensive. And, uh, you know, you'd have to save up your EIA money for like, you know, half of the year in order to, to be able to afford to do it for, for everyone. But um, I went off on a tangent and uh, said, well, you know, it'd be really fun. Uh, there's a there's a couple people over at GoDaddy, and this being Arizona, it makes total sense. But there's a couple people at GoDaddy who actually have gold mines that um, they go. Well, gold mine is like a loose term, but they have a plot of land where they go with their metal detectors and stuff, and they and they go try to find gold. And so I was talking to one of the guys, Rod, and he was uh, he was like, "Dude, you should do this for like your EAI thing." And and so we we bought a plot of land. 
Uh, just the mineral rights, mind you. Uh, <laughs> the fact that I know that is horrible. Um, but yeah, so we, we bought the mineral rights to, I think, like 20 acres or something like that. And we got some metal detectors and we went out and, and tried to uh, to find gold. And we, we, we obviously agreed to, like, the whole thing wasn't to, like, find gold and get rich. Not that that ever happened. But um, but was to to have the fun of, of exploring the, the area, getting outside and doing something different. And then also, like, we were like, okay, well, you know, if we do strike it rich, so there's like, for whatever reason, we find something that's like hundreds or thousands of dollars, uh, you know, we would just donate the, the money to charity. Not that we really found much of anything. So, um, but yeah, it was a fun little uh, <laughs> an awkward thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag team events. <laughs> well, yeah. Pretty creative. Did you, um, does Gordy still hold the, the rights to that piece of land? No, it's like a yearly thing. So yeah. like you, you basically have to renew it every year. So it was perfect. It was like, it was cheap too. I think it was only like a couple hundred bucks or something like that. It, was, it wasn't very expensive, but, uh, you know, the goal was to just do it for one year and just have that be the thing. So it yeah. was fun. Get that additional revenue stream. So patents, yeah. gold, <laughs> what else would go to do to, to, to make money, sell domains? Yeah, well, you know, the thing was is that we could only use it for half of the year because it was hotter than hell. Like once it's hit like, you know, June or July, you're like the last thing you want to do is go walk out into the the Arizona desert. <laughs> Even for gold. Yeah. It's pretty hot. So then with the patents, what what happened? Like did you did you just think of any like how does that actually work? How do you even write a patent? Um so the lucky thing was that we didn't have to write the patents at all. The only thing we had to come up with was the idea itself. Um, and then that would go to GoDaddy's patent lawyers that they had um, on staff. And then uh, from there, um, they would draft the patent. Uh, you would have to do some signatures and stuff like that. And then it was really just a long wait. And you'll see that even too. Like if you do look at, at the, the LinkedIn profile, the uh, some of them don't have the patent numbers on there, and it's just because it's sitting in there forever. And granted, like I haven't go gone and looked to see if you know it's updated or not, but um, but yeah, so the patenting process takes a long time, and it's not cheap either. I mean, I think uh, a traditional patent is something like ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars to like actually do. So it's not like a cheap endeavor. But of course, you know the thing with GoDaddy is that that's an intellectual property thing that they can carry forever, and you know once the company sells, they can add it to the assets of the company. So, uh, and then for us, like you know, I wasn't ever going to make a patent myself, and you know, try to do it on my own. So you know, it worked out hand in hand. There was just a couple interesting things that that I came up with um, a long time ago. There was one actually that they rejected that I was super pissed about because I thought it was a great idea, and. Uh, Actually, uh, just this last year, I met someone who who uh, is doing the exact thing that I was going to patent, which really pisses me off. <laughs> but good for them. But it was um, event-based PPC. So, mm -hmm. like, uh, think about like a hurricane or or some sort of natural uh, disaster. You know, happens to an area of the co uh, country. What it would do is it would automatically know that there's this disaster, an earthquake, whatever. Um, and then it starts upping all of your PPC display ads for those particular products, mm. right? And so it would just kind of ride against all of those things. And then we thought, oh, you could also do it against other things too, like, uh, you know, the um, presidency or, um, or you could do it for a parade or, or a holiday or whatever it was. And so it would automatically, depending on time and depending on actions, um, it would go ahead and, and fluff it up so that you would have your ads displayed more for those particular products in those particular areas. 
but they never patented it. So, uh, and I can't remember the guy who uh, who we met over in uh, over at SMX in uh, Seattle, but it, it literally was the exact same program. So, <laughs> kudos to him. Wow, uh, that's actually pretty cool idea. So, but you say yeah. it's gone; it's not available anymore. Somebody else took it. Well, hopefully, he's smart enough to patent it, but. <laughs> He'd probably get you uh, like first right of use or, or whatever, so it'd probably be hard to to take it from him. Huh. But good for him. Good for him. Uh, speaking about Godaddy, how did you even get into Godaddy? How did you even get started there? What was the background story? So um, it was interesting. It actually wasn't. It did have nothing to do with uh, SEO. <laughs> so uh, I had um, left California and I was working for an aerospace and defense company hmm. and uh, doing their their marketing and SEO and stuff. And I moved out to Arizona um, to just kind of get away from California. And uh, they had a, a position open for someone to run a PPC program for the customers so like think about like a a very small mom and pop place where they don't have a large budget and we wanted to do a ppc program where it was basically like 99 a month plus whatever they wanted to spend in, in ad spend and so my job was to automate the process between the customer setting up the account and actually fulfilling the orders and so I can't probably get into like a lot of the formulas and stuff for the, the, the data behind it that we used, but essentially it didn't work. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the connectivity and stuff that didn't work. It was the, the, the customer, like the customer had to approve on a couple different steps because the way the accounts were set up and it, it was really, really difficult to do. And we also had to get data from Google analytics which required code to be installed. And so that was a huge hindrance too. And it wound up not working. But like the nice thing is, is like we, I think we had like 30 or 40 people in that program uh, before we finally terminated it. But like I still keep in contact with like three or four of them. So, but uh, yeah, so that was the original thing. And then uh, I saw the, like the writing on the wall. I was like, this is not working. Like <laughs> I am going to be out of a job soon uh, unless this somehow gets fixed. And so I was like, oh, you know what I'll do in the meantime is I'll just go fix some of the rankings. <laughs> and so at the time, I think GoDaddy was ranking like number like 60 or something for like web hosting. It was bad. And so I went and I fixed the page and, you know, adjusted some of the stuff and, and told people to fix uh, some other stuff on the site. And they like immediately went to like number eight. And uh, so I told Warren, uh, the old CEO at the time, I was like, hey, uh, just just so you know, like this is what I did um, in my spare time. I don't know if like this is something that you're interested in, but like we could just do this across the board. And he looked at me like. I was like the greatest thing since sliced bread because <laughs> he was like, and he told me, I think he said something to the order of like, you need to stop doing whatever you're doing and focus totally on this. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds like a great idea. And, uh, and so like, yeah, so that was it. He, he I was, uh, a full-time employee at that point, And, uh, I was the first, uh, SEO person that GoDaddy had hired, uh, well, unbeknownst to them. And then, um, yeah, the rest is kind of like history. We just crawled up the, they were like, 
what did you want your title to be? And I was like, I don't care. Just call me the SEO person. <laughs> so at the time they were like, okay, fine. And then eventually like I started to get more people and they're like, we're going to have to formalize like what you actually do and like what, what, you know, <laughs> what it is your job entails in order to be able to like give you raises and stuff. So I was like, all right, fine, sure, whatever. So I was the director. Wow. You basically created your own job and those, those are the best jobs. If you can create your own role at any company, uh, yep. best thing that can ever happen to you, especially when you have knowledge that nobody can else can replicate. Uh, and then you sit in a pretty comfortable seat. So what is like, how did you, what was the kind of, uh, success story behind you doing SEO at GoDay? Like what were some of the, the numbers of traffic that you grew or some of the rankings or some of the, the stuff that you did? Cause I know you're pretty much completely crushed it at GoDaddy. Yeah. Like they had like, I look back at it and I, I would say that like GoDaddy was the greatest thing. And it was also the worst thing. Um, and so it was the, the greatest thing in the respect of like, there was constantly issues. So like on, on a general week, right. There'd be like a hundred and something plus changes on the website. So developers doing stuff on pages and, um, basically there would inevitably be problems, uh, 302 redirects, 404s. Like I remember one time it killed me. I was so pissed. They, uh, they were changing, uh, they were doing like split tests and whenever they did a split test, they appended like a number to like the URL. So it'd be like web hyphen hosting hyphen one. And then, and then the other one was like web hosting. Right. Uh, and then if one won, then that would be the new URL, but then they wouldn't 301 redirect the old page. It was just a 404. And then they just kept doing this time after time after time after time. And it, I mean, I don't know how many numbers we were in for some of the pages, but some of them were in like the hundreds. So, um, you know, part of the the large amount of wins that, that, that I got at GoDaddy really came from trying to go back in time and figuring out all of these URLs that were all bad and, uh, you know, 301 redirecting all of them. Uh, and then there was, uh, there was some other parts too, where, you know, the, the code base was just trashed. Um, they just put stuff like the, 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 the tagging in the head was just inundated with like JavaScript in between it. So like the description tag wouldn't, would come up all the time. There was just a whole mess of stuff. So like that was the bad part, right? Constantly having to fix the same thing. And I really got pissed and tired of like telling people like, dude, you like 302 is like, do I need to like tattoo it? Like 302 bad. Um, and it, like it pissed me off, you know, to no end. But the other side of the coin too is that like having to go through all of those problems year after year after year after year, like I can go look at a website right now and I could say, oh, there's like these 15 things wrong. Like no problem. Like uh, we were just working on a website, um, me and Joe, and uh, they were doing. Well, this is actually before the migration that they were doing, but they. Um, <laughs> they had an external JavaScript that was running most of the content on the website and the external JavaScript was hosted on a CDN and the CDN had a robots block so that no robots could go into the JavaScript. So to Google and everything else, like the pages were essentially blank. So it's like issues like that where you, like you, there's no tool, like you have to know those things in order to like figure them out. And even, you know, not dealing with it on a daily basis. It's hard. Like it took us a couple of weeks to figure out what was going on, but 
you know, that's something where how valuable is that, right? Like their rankings sucked and then all of a sudden you flip the switch and it's like, oh, here's everything. So, you know, that that, that kind of stuff, I do look back with fond memories of like, oh, that, that was really, really worth it. So it's good and bad. Good old times. But yeah, uh, I mean, you and I work together also uh, on certain uh, projects and sites and companies and uh, yeah, saw some great results and really enjoyed working with you. Um, and so I was, I was wondering, I mean, not wondering, but there was obviously a big, more or less big and famous penalty for GoDaddy. Um, how much, how much can you say about that? I can say some, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was interesting. Um, yeah. So the thing was, is like, and it's still, it's still going on today. And I, I can tell you about another thing too, that's kind of related to this is, is that, uh, large enterprise websites are treated completely differently than uh other websites yeah. um and and more than than you would probably guess too and, and i don't know if that's on purpose or if that's you know i, I will probably never know right because they have the secret sauce but essentially you could get away with a lot of things and so one of the things that i noticed especially in the ssl space was that um some of our competitors digicert um who else was there Digicert and uh, I can't remember who the other ones were, but anyways, what they were doing was they were putting widget links uh, on the SSL certificate badges, and um, specifically on some of them, it was like hidden behind the the <laughs> the badge itself, so like you physically couldn't see it, and then others had it like below the badge, and I started thinking about. Wow, it's a really good idea. <laughs> uh, now you're building a whole bunch of links for free, and they're all keyword-rich anchor text. That's an interesting thing. Helpful. Yeah, it's super helpful, right? But the problem that they did um, was that they made it stupid, where it was only it was only like one text. Like they had no way to randomize it, right? It was just. Basically, they just injected a single link inside of the certificate and they just called it a day. And I was like, there's got to be a better way of doing this where you could be a little bit more devious. And so uh, I invented this thing over at GoDaddy called the LDP. And it was a, called the Link Distributor Program. And what it was was basically, depending on the last uh, couple digits of your shopper ID, it would append a link on the certificate and you could change it to whatever you wanted to. So like if you ended in 01 through 05, you got SSL certificate. If it was 06 through 010 or 10, it was, you know, uh, SSL cert. And so I could pick and choose whatever keywords I wanted to rank for at that point. And so it was really interesting because I started putting like thousands of keywords in there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and the, and the thing was is like it wasn't like like it's as as bad as that sounds right the the thing was is like it was totally optional like if you wanted to have the link there great if you didn't want to have the link there that was also great but it was by default on and so clearly like people uh, you know got it and it wasn't a big deal um so it worked really really well for ssl certificates and so i started doing it for some of the other like products that we had because they have badges too 
and so the LDP grew and, and I think, I don't know, we had like five or six different, uh, five or six different, uh, badge types and, and keywords and stuff in there. And so then one day, <laughs> one fateful day, <laughs> um, Yost had post, uh, an article about these links. He, he got it like partially right. He didn't get the whole thing right. Cause he didn't know that I was varying the anchor text and he was like, so every once in a while, I think this is what did it for me uh, or did me in, I should say every once in a while I would completely reorg the LDP so that I could shift all of the links and shift what I was ranking for and give more emphasis to certain keywords. And that shift I think is what kind of caught his eye. And and, and I think at one point in time, we're going to have to meet face to face. Uh, and I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I won't beat him. Uh, but <laughs> But uh, it would be interesting to see what his take was on it. But mm. we we basically started going after his keywords, his WordPress keywords. And he was super <laughs> pissed about it. And hopefully, I, I mean, I hope he was pissed about it because otherwise, why write the article? But I think that's why he wrote the articles because he was super pissed. Uh, or at least in my mind he was. So it's, it's fine. Um, and, and so, you know, this, either he tipped the hat to Google or Google saw the article. Who knows? Like one way or another. But... Uh, but yeah, so they, they implemented this, this penalty and it was a really, really interesting penalty too, because, you know, traditionally it'd be like a minus 30, minus 60, minus 90 or, or something like that. And then you would just get screwed across the board. And what it was though, was it wasn't a penalty that was n- like notified within GSC. It was a empty penalty that they did not disclose. <laughs> and they also like the the easiest way that I can describe it is instead of like a, a negative 30 or negative 60, it was like they added like a negative one for every single link that was like that. So the keywords that had more links built to them, the more penalized that that word was in the system. And it was really odd because we couldn't figure it out because I was like, well, if it was a penalty, like wouldn't they just across the board nail us? And so like this went on for like, I think two or three months and we finally just reached out to Matt Cutts and we were like, you know, what's going on? Like there's, we have nothing to operate off of this. And, uh, I think the only thing he said was like, you should really not have widget links. (laughs) (laughs) It was something like completely nonchalant, like, and we like, so we knew, we knew that's what it was. Uh, even in the beginning, but we didn't want to turn it off in case it wasn't because then we we thought, oh, it'll just make things worse. And so we left it on. But after talking to him, we we basically we killed the program. And but the, the interesting thing was, too, is that I got Ahrefs at that point in time and went through all of the broken backlinks. And I think we had half a billion like with a B. <laughs> half a billion backlinks um, that were just being squandered because the, you know, the whole thing I mentioned before with the, the split testing and the URLs and all that stuff. And then there was just thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of URLs that are just were no longer being used. So at the end of the day, like the, the link distributor thing was great. Um, but m- going through that problem was more important in trying to figure out how else I could recover from all of that. And, and recovering those links actually made things better than they'd ever been. 
Hmm. So it was almost like a blessing in disguise at that point. Um, it was really, really interesting. And, and that's kind of like the thing too, is like, even like when in talking about Yost and, and what he did and all that, I like it, I think it was like sour grapes from, from my standpoint is like, that's the reason he did it. But at the other end of the spectrum, like I, I, and I'll tell you, this is that second part of the story that I mentioned earlier is, is that like everyone's doing it even still today, they're still doing it. And so like um, I had a, a customer that, um, is in the, the email space. And we noticed that constant contact was employing the exact same thing. So in constant contact, if you look at their forms, every single form that they have, it says email marketing powered by constant contact and email marketing is a link that goes back to constant contact. And, uh, you know, and just based off of what I learned from, from, you know, the Yoast article, I decided to turn uh, constant contact in. That's <laughs> <So> why not. <laughs> Do they know? I don't think they know it was me, but I mean, they definitely, dude, it just dropped off the face of the planet. I think they're recovered by now or they're on their way to recovery. It's been five years, but I mean, for two years straight, like it was just down in the dumps for them. And you know, I, I look at it this way too, and, and, and this is probably the real reason why the Yoast article came out is that you want to create a level playing field, right? And that the, the, the problem with these links and, and doing these widget link stuff is that it, it creates an unfair advantage that most companies would not be able to compete. Right. And so like in, in my customer's case, they were much smaller than constant contact and constant contact was number one for everything. And it was like the more, the more customers they got, the more links they built and the more links they built, the better they ranked or the more solid their ranking was. And so it's, it is, it's an unfair advantage and unfortunately it still works. Like it totally still works. 100%. Um, so it's like, you know, how are you supposed to, how are you supposed to counterbalance that? And, and reality is, is that the only way to do it is to tell Google and, and give them proof. And so, you know, and, and, and as bad as that kind of hurts someone, um, you know, if it's if it's unfair and it's truly unfair, then I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a problem with it anymore. So. Yeah, I think to your defense, I 100% agree. First of all, um, I can probably list at least half a dozen verticals, including the sites where they still use widget links. I mean, I'm working for a company where that is kind of common practice. Um, just to 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 be real here for a second, and as you said, it still works mostly pretty well. Plus, let's see how this changes when Google uh, takes no follow further into account, if they haven't already. I think there's a lot yeah. of you know changes to become uh, from that. Not always is a widget link necessarily bad. I do understand Google just closes it or wants us to put it to no follow. But again, like they might change their policy no follow. So who knows what comes of that? And then also, I think every smart SEO would have been in your place at the time would have done the same because I mean I don't you don't need to name the exact you know amount of dollars but I'm sure at the time it made GoDaddy a lot of money plus it was perfectly controllable so why not you know surf that wave as long as you can and then right. once you kind of hit the ground you adjust accordingly yeah I mean it worked for four years yeah solid yeah. Four years solid. So like if you took into the account that we had like a penalty for two or three months versus four years of this thing working like a champ, like I don't, I mean, I do know the amount of money that it made and it was not a small amount of money, but it's like the, the penalty was nothing in comparison to what we earned. And, and that's probably like what allowed me to keep my job. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like, okay, well, and, and I've told customers in the past too, I'm like, Hey, look, like this is a thing that you could do. 
Um, would I do it? Probably not, but it will more than likely work for quite a bit of time. And when it doesn't, like, and this is the other thing too, like in the case of like constant contact, right? We'll use them as the example. Um, if for some reason, well, I mean, they got dinged. Um, let's use DigiCert. That's probably a better one. So DigiCert never got dinged for the SSL certificate um, widget badges. And I'm sure that they're still working today. Um, but the thing is, though, is that like with the SSL certificates, as an example, a customer takes that cert and they post it on their site. Now, in some cases, that's the actual customer posting it on their site. In other cases, it's like a developer that the customer hired to go put it on their site. Well, if you get penalized for these widget links, you have no recourse to take them down. Like right. the problem is, is that it would be impossible for DigiCert to just say, oh, hey, everyone, hey, hey, two million customers, go take down these widget links. It, it wouldn't happen, right? Yeah. And so then, then you're like, oh, shit. Like, and I, I think that's probably what happened with Constant Contact is that they just couldn't remove the widget links. The only way that they could do it and the way that I had to do it was you had to roll out a reason for them to redo the badge. So we upgraded the badge look and feel and told everyone, hey, we've got these new badges, you know, go take them up or whatever. We even noticed on some of the stuff that we controlled, stuff that was under like our web hosting umbrella, like we could just go in and, and update the cert. Like we could identify what the cert was, where it was, and then just put a new one in there and strip out the link. So it was easy. Well, I don't want to say it was easy because it sucked, but, <laughs> um, but it, was, it was easier than having to deal with being stuck of like we can't remove the link so and I, I think google even i mean who knows if they updated it or not i've heard that they have but what i've heard is that if they do identify widget links now they're just basically a zero instead of counting for a positive or a negative so i think that that's probably a better approach from google's standpoint because you know it, it is impossible to control those links um, for a lot of people so yeah, they can get into trouble real easy. That and webmasters can't really react to it anymore, right? They're kind of losing the feedback yeah. or response mechanism, so you don't really know what's going on. Um, and again, like I think this is something. This is one of the a really good of the really good examples of something that SEOs do, and that other, especially SEOs who haven't been in the game for a while, judge very easily. But from a business standpoint of view, it makes a ton of sense. For example, yeah. us at G2, we recently, uh, we have a competitor that, that got recently completely tanked, but rode a great wave of spam links and PBNs for many, many years, made them tons of dollars. Yeah. And the owners of the company are sitting somewhere in Malta and, and it's a small company, right? There's no, um, venture fund or, 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 um, investment money, right? It's kind of a, a bootstrap project that worked really well for many years, brought tons of dollars. And now it's tanking, and I'm sure they kind of, or I hope they uh, understood the risk that comes with it. But again, from a, from a business standpoint yep. of view, sometimes you make questionable SEO choices that bring in tons of dollars. And when they go south, then you adjust accordingly. And as an SEO, yep. we often judge that uh, very harshly, but don't think about the business implications. But anyway, so then at, after GoDaddy, uh, you started Blush Digital, which is a boutique yep. digital advertising and SEO agency. What's yep. what kind of first of all, I think this is such a common path that a lot of SEOs take where they work in house for a company and then really understand the enterprise business and what counts and then start an agency or go out as a as a sole consultant. So what what's kind of uh, led you to start Blush Digital and 
Um, how is the how's the agency set up? Um, I think from the most part is just I know that a lot of my skill sets um, involve technical SEO for, for whatever, um, and it's very easy for me to just identify problems. Um, like I said, I, I dealt with pretty much everything. I can't imagine like a technical issue that I haven't like fixed in the past. And a lot of times too, like, um, even with blush today, like, you know, we, we don't get a lot of, um, like a traditional customer of like, well, we want this whole rounded out program. It's like something happened to our website. We don't know how to fix it. And so like they call me up and they're like, we heard you're the guy that fixes everything. <laughs> so, True. you know, it's, it's the ability to be able to identify these things. And, and one of the things I realized is like, okay, well, you know, in, in Arizona, like I'll give you an example, you probably would cap out somewhere between 80 to $150,000 as an SEO and whatever, you know, title you want to give yourself. And that's fine. It's, you know, you can make a good living doing that. I mean, Lord knows I did it when I was over at GoDaddy. But um, there was, there was two things that, that happened specifically in my case where I wanted to start something new. The first one was is GoDaddy went public. And so uh, thankfully enough, I was, I had enough options to make some decisions of like, Hey, I can go out and do something. And if I screwed up, like it's okay. Like I wasted some money that I got for free, but I learned a lot and I should not have my own company <laughs> or, you know, it's something that's going to be successful and I can grow off of that and, and start to do other things that I, that I like and things that I believe in. And so, um, you know, I started blush with the assumption that, oh, okay, well I'll just go find some more enterprise size clients and, you know, basically do the same thing that I was doing at GoDaddy um, just for more people and get paid for it. And, and that's worked out fairly well. In fact, only in the last, I'd say, year have I been not satisfied with the direction that things are going. And um, essentially what I've come to terms with is that, like, I'm running a business and I'm also doing the SEO. And that causes problems. Um, it causes scalability issues. And so like with, with helping these, these enterprise size clients, you know, you can definitely help them, but it's not scalable. Like there's only one of me. And in order for me to teach someone everything that I learned over, you know, a decade at GoDaddy would be stupid and, and impossible. And I would still be needed to figure these problems out. So I've come to terms of like, I need to stop doing the SEO. And if that's the case, I need to start focusing on a lower, uh, not a lower, that's a bad term, but like a different type of business. So I think I'm going to start focusing on like mid-market, probably not SMBs. I don't, I don't really like SMBs. Um, and I'm sorry if there's any SMBs listening, but I, I, the, the, <laughs> It's the weirdest thing. I was just talking to someone yesterday about it too. And I was like, you know, the problem is, is like the less they pay, the more education and handholding they need. And it's like, that's a time suck. And yeah. you're not, you're not going to pay. It's almost like, you know, you have a lawyer and you just start asking the lawyer a billion questions about something. And he's like, well, okay, that's fine. You can ask me a billion questions, but I'm charging you $300 an hour. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Right. Whereas with us, it's not treated that way. It's like, they just want to constantly ask you questions about things. And so th that causes its own issues. But I think for me, like I'm more interested at this point to run the business and, and have the scalability 
versus, you know, trying to like do it all myself. So yeah, it should be interesting, but yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been great so far. I haven't had any complaints. It allows me to have some freedoms to do whatever I want. Um, it led into doing advanced search summit. So that was fun. Um, which is, you know, one of my little passion projects. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's not that little anymore. Uh, what got you, <laughs> I mean, it's a, for, to, to just point that out, it's, uh, one of my, if not the favorite SEO conference, uh, um, that I, that I go to and that I make sure I go to every year, not only because of Napa, uh, and I know you, we're going to speak about how exactly advanced search yep. somebody set up. There's Napa, there's, um, DC, um, but also because of the people coming there, um, the surrounding program, the locations, the talking tracks, the networking. It's, I, th I think it's a super sound package. So what, what got you, what got you started on, uh, Advanced Search Summit or Napa Summit? Like, how did you get the idea? And then, um, what, what kind of, what were the beginnings like? Um, well, as most things these days, it started in the hot tub. Oh, actually, you know what? I think. <laughs> I think I th actually I think the advanced search summit thing. Well, you know, as you know, it used to be called Napa Summit because we originally thought that we would just have it in Napa and that would be it. And then we decided that oh, it needs to be something else because we're definitely going to grow out of Napa. Um, but uh, but unfortunately, um, well, hold on, my wife can't get into the. Uh... No problem. Take your time. She's like, I can't get in the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so sorry. Next time, bring a key when you fly somewhere. <laughs> um, so uh, at any rate, you know, the, the thing is, like, I was like, well, I'd like to have a conference because I think maybe it'll bring in some leads for, for Blush. And then, like, the other thing was, is, like, you know, I, I wanted to give back to the community because, like, I, I, I was obviously doing the rounds at, at different, uh, at different uh, conferences. And, you know, the, the, the problem is, is that they're all the same. They were literally all the same. Like, you'd go to SMX and it was like, okay, there's a bajillion people and I'm going to meet, like, five of them. And they serve horrible food at the conference center. And it was just, ugh. And then, you know, I went to another conference where they just had, like, pizza and chicken nuggets. And I was like, fuck, I don't want old pizza chicken. You know, and, and, and there was, like, this long line. And, you know, and my problem is, as you, as you know, and we'll probably talk about it too, is, like, I'm a huge foodie. And so, like, I don't want that kind of food. And especially, like, if I'm in, in Seattle, the last thing I'm going to do is eat conference food. Sorry. <laughs> There's, like, a million places I would rather be in Seattle to eating food. So, you know, I was like, oh, you know, maybe what we could do is we could we could do um, we could do a conference and we can make it like upper scale. Like it would be like a cool thing to go to. And and for me, like I was somewhat smart, I guess. In hindsight, I was totally smart. But I was like, you know, we should have it in a location where people can enjoy themselves and it's unique, like a destination wedding kind of thing. And so I was like, we should do it in Napa. And Raj, uh, my business partner, looked at me. He's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I was like, no, think about it. Like we could go get wine so I could stock up on wine and we could run this conference at the same time, but it would all be like a business write-off. And he was like, okay, sure. How would you do it? And I just started thinking about it. I was like, okay, like here's where we'd have it. This is what we'd do. So like the first one was over at uh, Visa Tui, which is like a huge popular winery. 
And I remember we had Marcus Tober. He was great. But uh, we had we had like basically like a screen, a uh, projector, but like no audio. <laughs> and it was so hard. And, 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 and I don't know what happened, like maybe the stars aligned or whatever. But like the funny thing was, is like we totally got rained out. It was just raining horribly for like the last three or four days. And, and during the conference, it rained, too which caused no one to show up at the winery. So it was great. Like we had the whole place to ourselves. I've been back to BC Tui plenty of times when it's not raining and there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Like it's ridiculous. And had we had that conference on a day where it wouldn't have rained, I probably wouldn't be talking to you now about it because I guarantee you that we would have had a horrible experience. We'd be like, you know what? We're never doing that again. Um, so like, you know, it's, it's, it's been great. Like, uh, I mean, it's been raining for like three out of the five that we've had, but, um, you know, it's, it's grown. I think the original one was like 65 people. And now we're talking about 250 at Napa 2020. So, you know, the program is, is obviously changed now for Napa. We've got, uh, two tracks, um, and 33 speakers. Uh, we've got, uh, falconry <laughs> people. Uh, it's so funny. People know that I'm fairly eccentric. Um, and I do stupid quote, obviously crazy things like this background. (laughs) Interesting things. Yeah. Interesting. But you know, like I want someone to be completely floored when they come to our conference, both from the educational standpoint and from just the venue and how they're treated. Um, you know, and, and, and like I said, we, we've grown over the last couple of years and, and we've really put a lot of effort and, and thought into what we're offering now and making it unique and different every single year, not a cookie cutter situation. You know, and, and we, we try to get these venues and these activities for people to do that are very, very unique. So, like, as an example, uh, this year we've, we're going back to the castle. So we've got a 13th century inspired uh, Tuscan castle. Uh, that is massive. Um, and we're having uh, a masquerade party there. So everyone will have, you know, their little masks on and there'll be champagne in the buses. We bus everyone up to the castle so that no one has to drive. And, you know, again, it's, it's like that first class experience where we want to have everyone understand that, like, like, you're really getting what you paid for. Like the value is, is definitely there. You get to hang out with, with really cool and interesting people that have been in the industry for a long, long time. Um, you learn things that you probably wouldn't learn at another conference. We typically, we, we, we have, uh, very large agencies, um, very large enterprise, uh, iconic brands uh, that show up, Disney, uh, Home Depot, whatever. Um, and instead of like trying to pack it full of like thousands of people, which I think inevitably we could, we try to keep it small so that. One, you can meet everyone who's at the conference. And then two, not just like name badge hunt and um, like hand out a business card and be like, oh, hey, it was nice to meet you. Got to go. There's more people. I got to go meet. You know, it's not that frantic thing that I, I feel that you get when you go to other conferences. It's it's more of like a, hey, let's take some time and really try to consider what we're doing here, what we're trying to accomplish and and how we can grow together as a community. And so and, and I've heard that from a lot of people, too, where they've like, you know, I went to your conference and it's very, very different um, than some of the other ones that we've we've attended. And like they come back every year because of it. So it tells me that we're doing a good job. Plus, you know, we serve wine, a lot of 
delicious wine. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of delicious so, wine. Yeah, so it's it's also great. We you know the unofficial hashtag is you know uh, no drink tickets. So that's always <laughs> fun. Um, we haven't had any problems with that either, which is surprising. I thought for sure that we'd have at least a couple people a year where they were just like drinking too much, but it, it's never worked out that way. So everything, I think everything goes well and, and people enjoy themselves and they, you know, they, they, they want to see more and do more. And, you know, like I said, with the, with the thing this year, our, our optional VIP package is basically like a day to, to take out. So, you know, you've got two days, for, uh, two days of the conference. And then on the third day, um, it's basically, we, we go to our partner winery, which is Bouchain, uh, which is down in the Carneros region of, of Napa Valley. And, uh, they, they teach you about the winemaking process. You get to sample a lot of the wines that they have at the, the winery. And then, uh, like I said, this year we're adding falconry. So the property, uh, in order to control like the birds and stuff that, that come in and try to eat all the fruit, <laughs> they have this lady. And, uh, she has falcons and, and hawks. And we've, we've learned after oddly enough, flying Southwest over to Napa or through San Francisco, uh, we were like thumbing through the Southwest magazine that was in the, in the plane and she's on there. And I was like, Holy shit. It's, it's that lady. <laughs> this is the Falcon lady. And we we're like reading up on, it. she's like the number one falconer, uh, in California. And she's like won multiple awards for falconry and stuff. And we're like, Holy shit. That's crazy. <laughs> like she's an amazing lady. Number one, but number two, like she's going to be flying falcons and birds. So, um, you know, one of the cool things is like people will basically go up on, on one of the hills over at uh, Bouchain and, uh, they'll be able to put a glove on and, and, and fly a falcon or a hawk back and forth. So it's kind of cool. So yeah. it's these unique experiences, right? And, and my belief is too, is that like, I think at the end of the day, people will go to a conference and they're like, the speakers are great. I learned a lot. I met a lot of people, but it's the memories that I made during the conference that I'll always keep. Yeah. And that is the thing that I think serves the best for us. It's always one of those things where it's like, you know, we got a lot out of it and it was something that I'll never forget. And you know, I, I, have you been to one of our Vegas things? Not yet. I have to. Okay. Well, so, you know, in, in Vegas, we, we kind of attach a, a fun little thing as just a way to say hi to everyone. Um, you know, as we know, I'm in Arizona and so, um, you know, PubCon puts on their, a great event, uh, by the way. And, um, you know, we, we basically have a 4,000 square foot penthouse, uh, that we rent out and, uh, you know, we serve drinks and whatever. And then, you know, the thing is, is like, when are you ever going to be in a Las Vegas penthouse? That's like bigger than your own house. Number one. Uh, and then number two, like, what are the things that you're going to remember? And, and someone asked me, we were out on the, the terrace, um, at 60 floors up on the top of the Cosmo. And I was like, you know, the thing is, is that people were, they'll come here and they'll remember this. This will yeah. be the thing that they remember. They take pictures, they're having drinks, they're talking, they're, they're having a good time. Those are the things that people will remember at the end of the day. And so, we're, you know, we're happy to provide that for them. And it's just a really good time to catch up with people that we haven't seen throughout the year. So it's really nice. Yeah, you're certainly not a man to half-ass things. Uh, I can say so no. much. And uh, just to really quickly describe the background because you just mentioned that so for anybody who listens to the audio version or podcast of this in your background i see a shelf with a treasure chest a yep. kiwi candle a meditating cat two lightsabers 
a bowl of grapes, a DeLorean, and a Link figure from Zelda. Um, so it's been about interesting. The Scoble Award for the Christian uh, Youth Hostel and, uh, <laughs> and Resort. <laughs> that you gotta is give a legendary. shout out to the Scobles. Of course, of course. Uh, Brian and Alex Scoble, uh, two good friends of ours who brought you yep. this stunning award. Do you want to talk about that dinner? <laughs> I This is on the list, and I love your segue. Just real quick before we jump in, um, my fantasy. So I had this fantasy of a podcast and a video kind of show format uh, for about a year, and then I finally pulled the trigger. But my original fantasy was to do one of the first ones with you in Napa at Napa Summit um, mm. in front of a chimney at night with a bottle of wine. So oh, I... I hope we can make that happen in April uh, for a second round. So I just wanted to nail that down before we jump into the crazy Scoble story. Uh, but yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, I'll. Uh, in fact, I'll bring all of my stuff, so we can we can easily do that. Perfect. Because so, oh. like in DC, I brought I brought these lights in the back here, and I also brought like this huge dome light here. So yeah, it's no problem. Like we could totally do that. Awesome. And we really quickly want to mention a uh, coupon code that you have for people interested in Napa as well. Yeah. So uh, if anyone does want to go to Napa, all you have to do is use the code. uh, Well, first of all, go to advancedcertsummit.com slash Napa, um, and you can learn more about the event. And uh, we've created a coupon code specifically for the listeners of this podcast. So you can use the code TECHBOUND. Um, and altogether, one word. Uh, I don't think it matters if it's uppercase or lowercase. But um, yeah, if you use the code TechBound, it'll give you fifteen percent off either a general admission pass or a VIP pass if you want to include the uh, the extra day. So super generous of you, and of course, I'll include that uh, code in the show notes as well. Uh, yep. And now, please let's move over to this crazy story that happened to us a while ago. So it is a fun story. I, I mean, you know, I'm going to sell you out, right? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. That's fine. I just want to make sure that, you know, if we're going to talk about it, like, no, no, no. Funny, we'll tell the whole part. story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's so, you know, I, I like the uh, the Rosewood Hotel. Uh, what city is that in? That's here in Menlo Park. Menlo Park. Okay. Or Palo Alto, Menlo Park. Okay. So, yeah. So, we're over at the Rosewood, and uh, some of you may know the funny story about the Rosewood, which I don't necessarily think is true, but, you know, there's very interesting, eclectic people that go to the Rosewood and uh, drink at the bar. And so, I was there. I was waiting for you and the Skulls to show up, and I think, did we have anyone else? I think we had, like, no? Was that it? I think it was us four. Okay. It wasn't that many people, but uh, so, you know, we're having dinner. And was it you? I think it was you. Or was it Alex? And maybe it was Alex. It was like, hey, yeah, I don't I don't want you to go look, but Sergey Bren is right behind you. <laughs> and it took me a while. I'm like, who the hell is Sergey Bren? I was like, oh, <laughs> I know who you're talking about. And your face just like lit up like friggin' popcorn on Christmas, man. You were just like bananas. And then <laughs> and then inevitably you try to pull this lame idea and I'll call it lame because it's <laughs> funny and it totally backfired in your face. Yes. You were like, here's what I'm you're like, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go pretend I gotta go to the bathroom and I'm gonna walk away. I'm gonna confirm it's him. And then when I come back, I'm gonna sneak in and I'm gonna 
ask for a picture. <laughs> I was like, dude, it's not going to work. Like, that's not going to work. And you walked away, and I was, like, laughing my ass off. I was <laughs> laughing so hard. We literally couldn't contain it. And then you walk back. I don't even – it wasn't even that long. Like, there was no way that you made it to the bathroom. But you walk back, and the second – the second you walk up to him, that chick completely cuts you off and <laughs> just douses you. And you're like, you're looking at him, you're like, put your finger like, hey, are you? And he's like, I guess he nodded his head, but then you like, your whole picture thing just went out the freaking window. <laughs> I got so blocked got by this skunked. chick. Oh. oh, it was so funny. And then, and then we were sitting there and we were trying to figure out like, like, what could we do? And I'm like thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I was like, we got to do something. Like, I'm like, I got it. I know, I know what we're going to do. So I called the waiter over and I asked him, I'm like, hey, like, is it okay if I pay for someone's bill? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, no big deal. I was like, all right. I'm like, see the guy behind me? I want to pay for his dinner. <laughs> and he's like, he looked at me like, I'm stupid. And he's like, you know who that is? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I want to pay for his dinner. So he brought me the check. This is like 300 or maybe a little bit more than that. It wasn't that much. Um, although he was there with that girl. So I don't understand how he, and it wasn't there long. So I don't even know how he could have racked up a $360 bill, but he did. And uh, I paid for his dinner. <laughs> and I told you, and I was like, dude, it's totally worth it. Like this whole thing is totally worth it. And, and, and even right now, as we tell the story, this is probably like the sixth or seventh time I've told the story because it totally has paid off now in droves. But like we went up to him and I was like, hey, I'm like, I just wanted to let you know, like we're digital marketers and we've been in the industry for a long time. And, you know, I just wanted to, you know, say thanks and, and, just let you know that like I got dinner. It's like, it's on me. Um, and, uh, you know, just thank you for letting us have like this really awesome career was something that you created and didn't shake his hand. <laughs> didn't ask for a picture, just literally turned and walked down the hallway with you guys. following me. And it was the funniest goddamn thing. Cause we were laughing our asses off because he's probably like, who the hell is this guy? Why did he pay for my dinner? Like I'm a billionaire. I don't need someone to pay for my dinner. And then to not ask for anything in return, dude, it was classic. It was so good. It was worth every penny. And then I just remember we were laughing. We were like, oh, I wonder where his car is. And we were like, oh, maybe it's a Ford Focus. I'm like, you think he's a Focus or something? Or like, would he have something better? And then we were also surprised, too, that you didn't have any bodyguards or anything. So yeah, that nothing. was also super interesting. But uh, And he wasn't wearing a Google Glass either. <laughs> no, he was wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah most low-key ever and and manresa is what like a two-star restaurant or at least a one-star restaurant so it's not it's something yeah yeah, yeah. but that i'll never forget the look on his face i'll never forget the look on my face when i got slam dunk blocked like you know how in basketball like somebody just blocks the living out of you and oh my god that was you could almost just feel his hand on your face <laughs> pushing you aside like you were nothing. It was that Go chick away. that blocked me. She came in and just came right in between. I, I think it would have almost worked. I was pretty it confident. It would have worked. If it wasn't for her, it totally would have. I mean, I don't think you would have gotten your picture necessarily. No. But I, I think you would have been able to just say, hey, like, thank you and shake his hand or something like that. But she just wrecked you, dude. You were just Completely demolished me in that second. I'll never forget that, though. I mean, how how crazy is it that we were able to build 
careers on this thing that those two dudes in college started and then meeting what i mean scobos are seos as well right so we're basically four yep. seos at a restaurant and run into sergey print how high are the odds sitting like three feet from him. yeah and not even expecting it either which was you know I, I never would have expected to meet him i mean outside of like a conference or something like that which i probably would have done the same thing like you know hey thanks like I don't want to cause any problems or disturb you or whatever, but yeah, I just wanted to say thanks. And, and I've done that too with like um, some other celebrities that I've met where it's like, I don't, I don't get caught up in that, that, that thing of like, Oh my God, they're like, a, they're like Jesus. They're, they're like walking on water. Like, I don't get that. I I'm more along the lines of like, they're a great person and, they, and they've excelled at one thing or two things or whatever it is. And, you know, for me, I, I just, I respect that. And that respect is just like, you know, I don't, I don't need an autograph. I don't need a picture. I just want to say, Hey, thanks. Like I really enjoyed it. Like I met Mike Tyson one time and the guy, dude, he's got the biggest freaking hands I've ever, like his fingers are like massive sausage links and he's such a short dude too. But, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, like funny meeting you. Like, I, I know you probably get a lot of people coming up to you. I don't want to disturb you or anything, but like, um, I just want to say thanks. Like I really enjoyed like a lot of the fights that you've, you've done over the years. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's awesome. And he was really, you know, thank you. He shook my hand and whatever. And, and he's like, do you want a picture? And I was like, okay, well I'll, I'll take one if you're offering, but like, I don't want to put you out. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> so, you know, I took a picture with him, but you know, there's been others where it's just like, yeah, I, I don't necessarily want to disturb you, but you know, and I don't go up to them. I think I just did it for you because we paid for his dinner and I just wanted to say something, but, um, you know, it's, it's, I've heard a, a lot of famous people hate the fact that it feels like people are trying to take things from them. They want to take a signature, take a picture, take something else. And it's like, that probably gets old at some level. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever, well, you know, I used to DJ in the past. Yes. <laughs> so there was like this one time when we were DJing, it was in uh, Newport beach and uh, it was his house and nothing special, whatever. And we're DJing in the house. It was me and my buddies. I was DJ. Two of my other friends were DJs. And we're just practicing in the house for gigs that were coming up. And we're like sitting there. And mind you, like we were not sober at all. And you can take that however you want. But like I remember distinctly like the, the, the front door would, would empty right into the, like the living room. And we're all in there. And that's where the decks were. And in walks Dennis Robin didn't knock, didn't ring the doorbell, nothing, just flat out walked in like a huge, huge dude. And we were like, holy shit, what is happening? And he was the nicest guy, super, super nice. And he basically what it was, his ex-wife lived across the street, oddly enough, that we never knew. And uh, he heard the music or whatever, and he just wanted to come over and, and chill for a little bit. So he was like, Rodman was like sitting on that on the couch and he was just chilling to music and stuff. It was what cool. What the hell? Uh, yeah. So there's just weird things like that that have happened over my lifetime where it's just, it's, it's just funny. I, I don't know. But you don't have to be, you know, like, I think you have to be, even if you're famous, I think you have to, to be a dick about it. And not to say that Sergey was a dick about it. I, I, I can only imagine no. what it's like being him, but it's the same thing with, for example, Ben Stiller. So recently ran into Ben Stiller, took a blue steel Zoolander picture with him uh, it was my my boss Ryan Bonici who took me to this um, charity gala, and all these celebrities are there, and yep. um, it was like 200 people in the room, very high class, pretty cool. 
And um, of course, everybody after the whole show was over walks over to Ben Stiller. And he was super nice. You know, like he did the whole Zoolander Blue Steel thing with us. He shook everybody's hand. He signed autographs, took pictures, you know, and was was at the on the one hand, you know, was a bit careful with everybody around him, but at the same time, very polite and kind and totally understood right. what this means for people, right? So as a Sergey, and again, I'm not walking in his shoes, so I can only imagine what it's like being him. But, you know, if you're in a restaurant and there's like people politely coming over to you and they're nice and all that kind of stuff, they're not jumping on you, you know, ripping out their cell phones, pulling you around. Like, I don't think you have to... You know, like, and he, don't get me wrong. He was not bad. He was like, no, it's not a good time. That's literally what he said to me. So it was fine, right? Yeah. But uh, I think there are different ways to go about it. And some celebrities ha- handle it better than others. And Rodman seems to be one of them. Yeah, he didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Why he would didn't he? care at all. No, he just flat out like walked in like he owned the place. It was great. <laughs> no problems with that. Well, I guess when you're in his shoes or at his point, you can't do that. Um, yeah. Well, Jim, uh, I think we want to wrap it up yes. at this point because it's not going to get any better than Sergey Brin, Ben Stiller, and Dennis Rodman. Like, what other story are we going to tell? <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you so much. You are certainly one of the most interesting people in SEO, uh, and you thank are you. absolutely crushing whatever you get your hands in uh, on. So I'm looking really forward to um, April next uh, NEPA Summit or Advanced Search Summit. I'm going to include all Yeah, that. we should say the dates too, April 22nd through the 24th. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, include, I'm going to include all of that in the show notes, of course, including uh, links and references that we mentioned. But uh, at this point, I really want to thank you for your time. Yeah, man, anytime. And Let uh, me know. Where else can people find you, by the way, at, uh, except for advancedsearchsummit.com? Um, obviously, you can go to blushdigital.com too if you have any questions or you're just looking for someone that can help you out with SEO or, or PPC or pretty much anything that's related to the field. Um, yeah, just go to blushdigital.com um, and hit me up. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim Christian. Uh, and until April, when we're going to do this uh, in a nice room with lots of wine and a, and a fire in the chimney. Yeah, I think I know which one to do. We can do it at the castle. Awesome. Castle yeah, podcast. That would be fun. Locked in. (laughs) All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, That was great. Yeah, fun. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. All right. See you. Bye. Cheers.